that today is a special day, a very special day. It's Cheryl's birthday today. I mean, how often does that happen? So make sure that you wish her a very happy birthday. Amen. It is a special day. And it's a special day because my son is going to preach the word to you. So come on, Joe. Let's welcome Pastor Joe as he preaches the word. Amen. Praise God. Hey, I want to do something a little different today. You know how I do. And so Paxton and Gabe can come back up, and they're going to read the whole scripture portion. We're going to read a lot. So if you can go ahead and buckle up, we're going to read two whole chapters of the Bible. If you have your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 18, and we're going to read Acts chapter 18 and 19. So buckle up, get ready, because I talk at breakneck speeds, but the Lord is teaching me to slow down, embrace the sacred slow. And so we're going to try and do it by these guys reading. Go ahead. Precursor, uh, some of these words I'm not the best at. And we're going to be in Acts 18, and we will be reading out of the NLT version for those of you that like to know that. Acts 18.1. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. There uh, they had left Italy with Claudius Caesar, deported all when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Each Sabbath, Paul found at the synagogue. Well, Paul was found at the synagogue, trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when he was opposed and insulted, when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook dust from his clothes and said, "Your blood is upon your heads. I am innocent. For now, I will go to preach to the Gentiles." Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in the household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you and harm you, for many people in the city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. When Galileo became governor of Asia, some Jews rose up against Paul and brought him before the governor of judge, for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul stated to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if there were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reasons to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and, name, and names in your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. The crowd then grabbed Sothenesus, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to a nearby Caesarea. There he shaved his head according to the Jewish customs, making the end of a vow. Then he sat ha- set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the, poor, at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. After he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail for Ephesus. The next stop was at a port at Caesarea. From, where, from there, he went up and visited the church of Jerusalem, and then back to Antioch. 
after spending some time at Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had taught the way of the he had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew the, about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Asia, and the brothers and sisters of Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Asia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be great, uh, to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews in, with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was within Corinth, in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he baptized them. Uh, then what did baptize Oh, verse 3. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. All right, everybody take a deep breath. All right, cool, Jesus. All right, starting in verse 8. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall at Tyrannius. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons and merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. Probably missed a word there, sorry. They tried to use the name of the Lord in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leaving priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence and f- such violence that they, le- they fled the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended upon the city, and the name of the Lord was greatly honored. Many, of the, many who became believers confessed their uh, sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery, brought their incarnation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go to Rome. And he sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia, where he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a a large business manufacturing silver shrines to the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others 
employed in similar trades and address them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but that you have seen and heard that this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the public delay. I'm not just talking about loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the people, or sorry, the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis' magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of Ephesus. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristus, who were Paul's traveling companions in Macedonia. Paul wanted to go into, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to go to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing, some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they began shouting and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone who knows that Ephesus is a official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose, te- whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have, <laughs> you have brought these men here, but they have not stolen nothing, stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session, and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I am afraid that we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, and since there is no cause for all this commotion, and if Rome demands an explanation, we won't be able to, we won't know what to say. Then, verse 41, then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. Amen. Wow, let's just take a minute just to let that ingest, just a minute of silence here for a second. They say the Quakers used to do five minutes of silence in the middle of their service every week. Pretty interesting. I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I can only handle about two minutes right now. And, but I'll get there. I'll get there. You know, it's good. Wow. The word of the Lord is amazing. The Bible is so incredible. Before we dive, dive all the way into this, I want to do a couple things. I just want to encourage you to take time to read the word and to be silent before the Lord and let it wash over you. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Take time to get away from the noise of the phone and the TV and the traffic and everything else and just breathe and be with the Father. It's tough. I fall asleep sometimes, but I'm working on it. And we can all work on it together and it'll just be incredible and then your life will be open and you'll hear his voice so clearly. It's so good. Maybe just start with five minutes. Start with a minute then go to two, then three, then five. Before you know it, you'll be able to do 10, you know? So good. We just focus on the Lord and you say, Lord, speak to me. 
I'll wait on you. So good. The second thing, and we see it all throughout this passage, that I hope if you get one thing out of today, it's this. Grow holistically. Grow your whole being, your whole life, bound and held together by the love of God. Grow your whole self, body, mind, soul, all of you. you every part of you grows up as you grow and continue to grow. Don't stop that growing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. You know, keep, keep growing. Keep, you know, staying fit, stay healthy. And lastly, then we'll jump right into this. I want to honor Caleb and Joy. I just want to say thank you guys for all that you do. Thanks for being a friend to me. And it's been like a little over a year that you guys have been here. And I forgot what life was like without you guys. So thank you so much. I just want to honor you and bless you and say thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, seen and unseen. Y'all are incredible. Give them a round of applause. Honor them for a minute. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Cool. Woo. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for speaking through your word. Thank you that you're already speaking to our hearts. Thank you that you're already leading us and guiding us, and you direct us, Lord. Have your way in this place, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Our desire at New Day Church is to be a regional church and make a global impact. And I love Acts 18 and 19 because it just shows that. It shows that Paul made a regional impact and he made a global impact as well. And if you caught it in verse in uh, chapter 19, it says at one part, it says that the whole lot of Asia, all of Asia heard the gospel because of what they did there. They went and they started a riot, but we'll get there. We'll get there. First, let's go back to the beginning, chapter 18. I just want to point out a couple things that I observed from this, and then you can take them home and you can say, okay, God, speak to me through this. It's this. Number one, finding friends is really great. Paul found a couple of friends, Priscilla and Aquila, and they were, he was like, hey, we can work together. Let's do it. And so for two years, you know, he stays and he works with them, and he's discipling them all the way, and they're ironing, sharpening iron all along the way, and it's awesome. And then on the Sabbath, he goes and, you know, does his thing at the Sabbath and persuades people to follow Jesus. Friends are really great, and it's awesome when a friendship lasts a lifetime. That's incredible. Praise God for the people that are friends that last a lifetime. But I have to recognize, too, and as I grow older, too, I recognize, wow, some friendships are for a season, and that's okay. I've got to be okay with that if they're just for a season. And I love it that Paul disciples Priscilla and Aquila, and they're friends of Paul, you know, and then Paul leaves, and they stay, and then Apollos comes, and they're able to speak into Apollos' life and say, Apollos, you know, whoa, buddy, like, let's teach you the way of God all the way more accurately. And so that's just incredible. It's awesome. Um, the second thing I observe is this. Sometimes it takes rejection to get us on the right path. No is not a four-letter word. If you want a tweetable truth from today, you can tweet that. No is not a four-letter word. No is not the worst thing in the world to happen. When we get a no from God, when we get a no from somebody else, guess what? There might be a door that's opening another place. We cannot be afraid of the rejection because sometimes it's what it takes to get us on the right path where God is going. I love it that Paul you know, was the Jews just didn't listen. They rejected him. And he goes to the next door and boom, like God just moves and there's revival. Sometimes, you know, we go door to door, we go out and we preach the gospel or we go love one people with time to revive. And the first person, it's just a wash. It's like, man, what are they doing? They almost cussed me out like it's crazy. And then the very next person, it's, hey, they received. And the seed goes all the way. And I know that it's going to be a seed that gets a 160-fold harvest from it. 
So sometimes don't worry when you're beat down, when you're rejected, don't worry. You're accepted in Christ and you got to know who you are and be, be sure in that. Be sure in who you are because then you can't be rejected because you're already accepted in the loving arms of the Father. Boom. Number, the third thing I observe is God always holds to his promises. For a second there, so Paul has this dream, right? He goes to sleep. He has a dream from God. Praise the Lord. I want more dreams from God. I really do. I pray for more of them. And he has a dream from God, and God says, I'll protect you. I'll be with you. Don't worry. And then later that week, he's getting arrested and put before the council, and he's like, God, I wonder, you know, sometimes if Paul was like, God, where are you at? God, you said I'd be fine. You said you'd protect me. And then he's about to speak, and the guy goes, hey, man, don't even worry about it. Get, get out of here. You're not breaking any laws. You're not doing anything wrong. And he doesn't even have to defend himself because God is his defender. God is your defender in every situation. Let God defend you before you just jump at it. Respond, wait, take a second. Before you react, take a second. Breathe. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? How do you want to do it? And sometimes the Holy Spirit will just jump in and defend you before you can even say a word. The Lord defends the righteous every time. And, he, and Paul didn't even have to say a word. The Lord fought his battles for him. Hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles. Priscilla and Aquila were, <laughs> if you want a good laugh, Medea has this really funny, hold your peace. It's clean, but it's funny. It's hilarious. But don't go see the new movie. I heard it's bad. Anyway, whatever. Priscilla and Aquila were discipled by Paul, and it took time. Discipleship takes time. We've got to learn to take the time in our own lives to be discipled and allow ourselves to grow and take root. I love it that Jesus always gives these examples of these architecture, or not architecture, agriculture. Architecture takes a long time too, but agriculture takes a long time for a tree, for a mustard seed to grow all the way up to a tree that can have um, birds nest in it. That's a long time. That takes a long time to grow, and it takes a while, and it's, it is a process. We're on a process, on a journey with God. Give yourself grace to walk in the process and to be discipled and to grow. It takes time, and we have to work at it sometimes every day. But keep working at it. Keep going because God is on the move. And those suddenly, sometimes those suddenlies take years to happen. And Paul's there for two, a year and a half, two years, right? And then he goes to the next city, and then, like, who knows how long he's there, and then, boom, a riot happens. Suddenlies of God often take a long time, but then when they happen, man, it's awesome. God is so cool. I love it. So Paul, Paul leaves, and then Apollos comes. Priscilla and Aquila disciple him because they were discipled well, and they knew how to get him along, and they trusted him, and they say, hey, man, we'll send you. Let us send you. When it's your time to be sent, when God calls you to do something, be sent. Let the people of God gather around you and pray for you and lay their hands on you and send you out to do the business. I love it that we got to do that with Wes and Tina. We got to pray for him and say, you're starting a business. Thanks for sharing. Let's pray and let's believe God to bless it. And now, like, it's been, it hasn't even been a year yet. And the Lord's just multiplying you. It's awesome. So cool. So cool. Acts 19, I observe this. We need to walk in the fullness of the gospel. When we walk in the fullness of the gospel, the power of God comes. The power of God flows in and through our lives. The whole world will know him when we walk in the fullness of who we are. 
when we walk as sons and daughters of God, when we walk in our destiny and our inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, and we walk in that, and we're not afraid of the fear, and we have no fear of man, then the whole world can know who he is. The whole world can know the love of God when we walk in it. We're not afraid of what other people think. We're not afraid of what they're going to say or do. We just walk in and we say, this is who we are. This is who we are. We're sons and daughters of God, and we have an inheritance, and we're accepted by the Father. So we're not afraid of being rejected. So here, here it is. Let me pray for you. Let me reach out. I've had people run away. I'm trying to pray for him, and the guy's, like, holding his back like this in the mall. And he's, like, running down the street, chatters with me, and he's running down the street like this. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Can I guess it? And I couldn't guess it. But he just kept running, and we're like, buddy, we'll pray for you. We have the answer. Nope, he didn't want it. That's okay. We just keep going, and we try again. So good. Man, we got to know who we are. And we got to have intimacy and relationship with the Father. And chapter 19 with the sons of Sceva, it always blows my mind that these seven guys are overpowered by one dude. One demon-possessed dude is overpowers seven people. Seven people. I mean, come on. I think like me, Wes, and Bill, we could take somebody, you know? But the three, there's three of us there, you know, and we could get overpowered by one dude. Imagine seven people, you know, overpowered by one person. It's, it's crazy because they didn't walk. They didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't have intimacy with God. And so then they weren't known. They didn't have the authority to do it. But you have the authority to do it and you accept Jesus and have Jesus in your heart and you walk in it. Then you have the authority to, to do it, to call people out, to set the captives free. I believe God wants to set freedom. I let freedom reign today and just release freedom this morning. Would you just turn your, turn your hand to the camera? We're going to pray for David. David Heimbach wasn't feeling very good, so he went home to lay down. We're just going to release freedom to him, but believe right now at 12.07 that he's going to start to feel better, that the Lord's going to restore him. So, Jesus, we just pray for freedom right now in David's life. God, I just pray you'd touch him, that you'd heal his body, that you'd make him whole. God, you'd set the chemicals in his mind right in Jesus' mighty name. God, I just pray for wholeness, God. Lord, that you would just sozo him right now. God, body, soul, and mind, you'd restore him in Jesus' mighty name, so he can walk in the call of God upon his life. We just bless David right now to be in health and wholeness and just pray, Father, release your grace to him at 12.08 p.m. on Wednesday or on Sunday, March 31st. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would that be a defining moment for you, David? In Jesus' name, encounter Jesus. We need to encounter Jesus. We need to know Jesus. I love that Paul, just 10 chapters earlier in Acts 9, encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it has a life-changing encounter, and then he is the way he is because of the encounter with Jesus. And every day he goes and he seeks after God, and he seeks to know the Father, and he seeks to be intimate with God, and then he is known. He's known by the Father. And when you're known by the Father, you're known by his enemies. You're known by the enemy. And... Man, it's a, good, it's a good place to be because you're protected by the blood of Jesus. So nothing can touch you because you're in the, the blood of Jesus. You're hidden in Christ, right, according to Colossians. So it's a great, amazing place to be, and we need to get there. We need to be there. And then the story goes on, and I observe this. John Bevere, he says, we, ser- we have served God in the image we have made for him. I wonder how many images of God we've made for, we, how many thoughts or lies we believe about God that are not in the Bible, that are not the truth, that are not who God is. I wonder how many we believe sometimes. We don't necessarily make the idol and carve it out of wood and, you know, make it nice and stand tall like Baal or whatever, but, but we do make things that replace 
who God is in our life. We do make these ideas about God that is not really who God is at all. And we need to know his word and read his word and know that so we can know who he is. And then we can say that's a counterfeit, that's real, that's a counterfeit, that's real, whatever. Right? We need to know that. We need to know the Father in order to do that. I wonder today if some people got freedom, how many riots would break out? If there was freedom from depression and depression was cured every single time and people knew all I had to do was meet a Christian who prayed for me and depression broke off, how many of the pharmaceuticals would start a riot? I wonder if there, we were a cancer-free zone and every time somebody with cancer came to our zone, they were healed instantaneously when they came to our city because of the power of God, how many of those pharmaceuticals would start a riot? I wonder how many riots would be started because of the freedom that Christ brings. Are we holding ourselves back from our freedom because we're afraid of the price we have to pay? The church in Ephesus, there was one guy that realized, hey, the preaching of the gospel comes with a price. Even for those that don't believe, it comes with a price. There's freedom. Freedom comes at a price. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Yes, he did. Amen. But guess what? When I get off and I get healed and I get set free and I don't have Medicaid anymore, I don't have unemployment anymore, come on, there's going to be a price. You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to say, say okay, God, you provide for me now because the government's not anymore. What are we going to do? What's the price that we're willing to pay? Are we willing to pay that price for freedom? Are we willing to pay that price for wholeness? I love, I th- it makes me think about the story of when Jesus goes to the lake or to this river, the pool of Bethsaida, they say, and it's a healing pool. And all you had to do to be healed was jump in the pool and you'd be healed. And Jesus says to the man that's laying there by the side, he says, do you want to be healed? And he goes, he gives him kind of a silly answer. I think he says, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I didn't ask if you had anybody to put you in the pool. I asked you, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, then by Jove, go after it. Run after it. Go after God and say, God, you are the healer. I trust you. Even if I don't see it, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to be faithful and trust that you are who you say you are. And I'm willing to pay the the price because discipleship has a cost and following Jesus has a price. And we will pay it. Sometimes it's amazing and it's great and it's fun. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's tough. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross for the cause of Christ. So many in the, the church in the east for so long have been martyred. I think about even the, the men on the beach that were martyred for their faith. They're Orthodox Christians, but they're martyred for their faith in the Middle East. Are we willing to pay that price? Are we willing to go? I watched Finger of God recently. And so, Finger of God too. If you get a chance, see it, buy it. It's so good. But they get to go to this, this school in China for these um, missionaries. They go for two years, and they go to this school all day for two years, and then they buy a one-way ticket to the Middle East, and they know that they'll probably give their lives there for the sake of the, of the gospel. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to lay down our reputation, lay down what we think is what we want for what God has for us? I'm going to challenge you with these scriptures today, and I hope that this word penetrates your heart. Today, I want to challenge you along with myself as we, as we leave the first quarter of the year, as we go into the month of April and Easter, are we willing to pay the price of following Jesus? Are we willing to walk in who we are? Do we dare to walk in who we are in him? I'll leave you with this. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. You're accepted in the beloved, according to Romans 15, 
and verse 7. We are children of God with an inheritance, according to Romans 8 and 17. God loves you, and so do I. It's time that we walk in who we are, and we start a riot. Let's pray. Jesus, love you so much. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all that you're doing in my heart and in my life. God, help me to follow you. God, help me, God, to be a radical lover of you. God, that would give everything, God, for you. God, I want to be obedient to your voice. I want to be obedient to your heart, God. Have your way in me, God. Would my life, God, would New Day Church, Lord, be a cancer-free zone? God, would we be a freedom zone that people walk in and they receive freedom and victory that they've been, they've been pressing in for, for weeks and months and years? Lord, would we be just a, just a place of the gospel that the glory of God can rest? Lord, we thank you for resting with us. We thank you for leading us and guiding us, Lord. We thank you that we're accepted in you. And I thank you, God, that you're our defender. Lord, you fight for us. Lord, remind us that you fight for us. God, remind us of your goodness, Lord. Pray that every person, God, would leave healed, set free, and in Jesus' mighty name, plead the blood of Jesus over each and every person in this room. God, encounter them with your love. Take them deeper in who they are. Help them, God, as they go on the walk the road of discipleship, God, to count the cost and pay the price. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Love you guys. Be blessed. If you stand up, we bless you and you're coming and you're going and pray you encounter Jesus this week. Amen. Love you all. Have a great week. Go and follow Jesus.